Today's podcast is brought to you by the Face Value Course, the Sharpened Artist Academy flagship course. Have you been frustrated trying to draw portraits in colored pencil? Do you want to draw people confidently and accurately, but don't know where to start? Or maybe you're just tired of copying another artist's line drawing. I get it. The Face Value course, now in its fourth year, will give you the tools you need to create your own original portraits. You'll be given a step-by-step system for independent decision-making, bite-sized exercises, and live weekly office hours interaction to keep you accountable. The pre-sale has ended, but enrollment for the course is still open, and there's still time for you to join the 2021 cohort. Just go to the show notes for the link before enrollment closes. The Color Pencil Podcast is brought to you by UART Premium Sanded Paper. What makes it different from other sanded papers? One thing is the way that the grain is applied to the paper. There is an electrostatic charge that pulls the grain up towards the paper and is applied from the bottom up. Why does that matter? Because it's an even distribution of the grain to the paper. And so you can have very fine grains, like an 800 grade on the paper, a very velvety kind of touch to the paper. If you've never tried... You aren't saying a paper before, then go over to the show notes, click on the link, and there are seven different grades to choose from. It comes in a beige and a dark, it comes in sheets, pads, rolled and mounted boards. And we thank You Art Santa Paper for their support of the Colored Pencil Podcast. We also get support from Amazon Music Unlimited, and we're talking about more than just a music service here, guys. For example, you can stream the Color Pencil podcast on your Amazon Echo device through Amazon Music. So it features 70 million songs and thousands of expert program playlists and stations. All of this is available ad-free. And I've got some very exciting news right now. If you sign up now to Amazon Music, you'll not only get one month free, you'll get a total of three months free. Now, this special promotion ends on May 24th. So to activate that free trial, just go to getamazonmusic.com slash sharp. Welcome to Sharpened Artist, a colored pencil podcast. Weekly discussions in and around this medium that we love so much. Hey there, welcome back to the show. My name is John Middick, sharpenedartist.com, and this is the Sharpened Artist Colored Pencil Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Today, I want to talk about ways to improve or some tips for improving your color vision. I've been teaching for quite a while now uh, colored pencil, colored pencil art, and fundamental drawing skills. And I used to teach at a Hobby Lobby and at Plaza Art. Now, uh, pre-COVID, I was uh, teaching at uh, those places. And I don't know that I'll actually go back to doing that. Probably won't. But I was there long enough to know some things about teaching people in person and being able to help someone with the problems that they're encountering at the moment that they're having the problems, especially in the Hobby Lobby class, because it was an open drawing class for several hours, and we uh, we sat around and we were drawing. We, by, by we I mean the students were doing that. And so I was able to 
work my way around the room. I would work from one person to the next and just go from one spot to the next all the way around the room. And I was able to look at the drawing process and watch students as they drew and be able to help them with what they needed at the time that they needed it right then and there. And I love that. That's something I miss a lot. But I will tell you that there are some things, there are some lessons that I learned from being in that role of being able to help someone and understanding what it is they needed at that moment. Now, I'm going to tell you what those things are in just a moment. But I also want to tell you that at the end of many of my classes, my courses, and my workshops that are taught online, when I did this in person, I also did this. I would send out a survey. Still, even today, once in a while, I survey my students and I ask them. I don't ask them all at the same time. Sometimes I'll have it built into a course or a workshop. Sometimes I'll just reach out individually and ask different ones. Now, the reason I do that is I want to know how to make the learning process better. I want to know how I can improve as a teacher. I want some comments on the material. I want to know how to make the material better. I want to know how it was received. That has been one of the best things for me as a teacher. It has helped me to grow and understand the needs of a student. One thing that I've come away with after having done this now for a while is that the things that I think a student needs versus the things that they really do need are often at odds. I also know this. Sometimes what a student thinks they need to understand or know versus what the reality is or what they really should be focusing on are sometimes at odds. But there is one thing that I'm absolutely convinced of and sure of, and that is that a student needs to know why. A student needs to know the decision-making process. The only way to get into the driver's seat, the only way to fully develop your full potential is you need to know as a student and me as a student, and I hope we're all students all the time, we're always learners, but we need to know why a decision is made. You as a student, you need to know why and how then to make a decision. If you don't know the why behind a decision, then you don't know how to make the decisions. And so I'm really, really big on teaching why to make a decision. Sometimes that's frustrating and I get it. And sometimes I'm too quick with that or I introduce that idea too early to someone. And who is that student? You may be thinking it's the one who is so brand new to the medium of colored pencil or drawing in general, that it's extremely foreign to them. And I, I get that. I understand that. They do need to know 
just some rote things. They do need to know some tutorials, some recipes. They need to know uh, some techniques that uh, they can just put their hat on and say, okay, this is what I do for now. I'll understand it later, but for right now, this is what I need to do. And there's nothing wrong with that. But today, I want to talk for just a moment about improving your color vision. It's a quest that I've been on for quite some time. If you're any artist at all at any stage in your development, no matter where you are on this continuum of improvement, then I'm convinced that you too are focused on learning more and more about color if you work in color. Okay. Now, what I want to do whenever I'm teaching then is talk about why I am choosing the colors that I choose. But I, I want to go beyond that just a little bit here today, just for a moment and briefly talk about what happens, at least in my mind, the way that I think about it. So in order to do that, let's back up for just a moment then. And I like to think about a foundation within a composition, a piece that you're working on, uh, it is comprised of roughly three things. Line drawing, shading, and color, right? That, that's the mechanics of it, okay? Now, our application of those things is where, you know, the devil's in the details, right? That, this is where it gets complicated. One of the most important things, though, are the things on the outside. The two things that separate the middle, okay? What do I mean by that? I'm not trying to be cryptic. Okay, let's go over it again. Number one, two, and three. Number one, line drawing. In other words, the shape. Number two, the shading or the value. Number three, the color or what hue something is. Okay, so what surrounds something that actually helps the realism in a drawing probably more than anything else? That is the value, the shading of the drawing, right? But the mechanics of it indicate to me that before I can be concerned with the value, I need to be first concerned with the line drawing. I need to get an accurate shape, right? I hope you would agree with that. I have to have the frame of the house and the structure in place, the foundation laid before I can start adding the two by fours and get the frame up, right? I've got to have that. If it's on a slab, I've got to have the cement base down first. Then I have to have the two by fours, the frame. Then I have to have, you know, a roof. Hope that analogy makes sense. Because if it didn't, that's as far as I can go with that analogy. I don't know anything about building a house. Okay. So uh, I hope that makes sense. All right, so here's the thing. I know some primary things have to come first, right? You, you can't start with uh, the paint on the walls, right? Would not make sense, okay? Aha, that means I can't start my drawing with color, right? But, and this is a really huge but or a however, okay? I have to know the end from the beginning. And that is, I have to know what colors I'm probably going to be using, right? I have to know then what the vision is. I have to have something in my head from the beginning. 
In the beginning, when we're starting out brand new, someone else has that vision, right? Your teacher has that vision. Your mentor has that vision. But hopefully, if you're following a good teacher, and for those of you who teach, I know there are many in, the, in, in my audience here who teach, um, then I want to encourage you to be this kind of teacher, that you need to be the kind of teacher that actually teaches, that you teach people how to, how to catch fish, right? You don't just give them the, the fish. So in other words, teach them how to pre-plan and think ahead. And so what I'm saying is then we have to have that vision in our head and we have to learn how to understand this entire process. So let's go through that one more time. And then we're going to talk about color really quickly uh, and we will move along here. But line drawing or the shape comes first. That is the toughest thing to learn. And incidentally, it's, it's uh, rather humorous, really, when we stop and think about it. Um, that it's the thing that people just want to gloss over and they don't want to take the time to learn. I'm raising my hand right here. I was one of those. I thought, ah, that doesn't matter. You know, in the, in the beginning, I thought that doesn't matter. I'll, I'll just, uh, I can, I can just trace my, my drawing. That's fine. Um, and yeah, you can get by with doing that. Yes. But I would submit to you that the problem will still rear its ugly head somewhere inside the drawing process. If you don't know how to draw, it's going to come up again. It's going to cause you some problems down the road. It really will. I know there's people that don't agree with that. that that's fine. We'll agree to disagree. Okay, but my point is this, that if you don't know how to do any kind of freehand drawing, then it can cause you some problems. And so, I would uh, highly recommend to you that you uh, practice freehand drawing, that you practice in a sketchbook often. Okay. That takes a long time to uh, develop those skills, and uh, I would submit it's also a lifelong process, okay? But number two then, after we've worked on that line drawing, number two, then we start the shading or we start the value process. Now, there may be other ways of getting to the end result, okay? I'm talking about uh, a process that I feel like is very tried and true and is the easiest, in my opinion. This is the simplest way to process through the drawing. Line drawing, number two, the shading. Worry about the value structure first. This is, this is the, the part that I call the Grizzeye method. It's just looking for the values and creating a monochromatic scale out of your entire drawing. Okay, number three then is the color or the hue. So I'm going to give you some fast tips today, some things to take away with you right now on what I look for, the things that I am concerned about, and my primary focus whenever I'm thinking about color. Just a reminder that the Color Pencil Podcast is brought to you by UART Premium Sanded Paper. If you've never tried sanded paper before, I highly recommend UART. There are so many different advantages to using a sanded paper, such as using lighter pencils like white over dark areas. That's just one of the advantages. So that flexibility allows you to keep on layering over and over again. If you've never tried sanded paper 
before, go over to the show notes and click on the link to get your first batch of UART Premium Sanded Paper. And we thank UART for their support of the Color Pencil Podcast. You're a colored pencil artist, and you've got just about every colored pencil that there is, except for that one. And you're wondering how this color compares to the actual pencil line that you have. Now, some colored pencil artists like to create these huge charts. I don't do that. I don't have the patience for it. Well, I've got good news if you're like me. Someone else has created these charts for you. There is a color pencil conversion and comparison chart. Thanks to KarenHullArt.com. This is a 62-page PDF booklet that you could download. And you can get updates as she updates it. She just updated it with the brand new Karen Dosh Luminance colors. It's got the Derwent Lightfast pencils in there as well. How would you like 20% off? Just go to the show notes or use SharpArt20 at checkout. All right. So first off, when we're brand new, sometimes the thing that we do is we look at our reference and we say, okay, I see a red here or a blue, whatever the color is. And then we look at the pencils that we think are close to that particular color and we get an edge on a paper, like a, a printer piece of paper, and we just start uh, creating a shading on the edge of that paper. We hold it up next to our reference and we say, does that look close? Uh, close enough. And then we go with that. All right. Now, there's nothing wrong with that process. That's that's a fine way to start out. That's something I've done for a long, long time, many years. And uh, so you may be thinking today, like, yeah, John, that's exactly what I do. That's the color matching process. And color matching, there is a skill involved in that. There's a way of kind of training our our mind and our ability to see color and match that color. But what happens when we use one color in place of a particular area in our composition? Well, if we did that, if we only used one color and we didn't think about the natural shifting of that particular hue into another color, then it would look very static. It would look very flat, right? And that's precisely what we create, that's precisely what I created in the beginning when I was starting out in colored pencil. So I want to get you away from that. And it can be just as easy. It doesn't have to be difficult, but I want to challenge you to think of it in a slightly different manner. Think of it in a little bit different way. So when you look at the color... First off, yes, you're going to think of it as, okay, what is the base color? What is that local color? Okay, let's say it's red, all right? Now, does that color shift, though? Well, I hope it does. In order for something to be kind of compelling, then I'm hoping that it doesn't just stay one particular static hue and value. I hope it changes and it morphs and it creates a gradation from one darker red color, perhaps, to one that is lighter, okay? Now, if you're brand new, I hope that makes sense. Now, if you've been drawing for a while, let's talk about it like this. Let's hope that it goes from maybe a warmer to maybe a cooler temperature. 
in color, okay? Let's hope that it changes hue in some way. Now, maybe it starts and it's more of a, a, a true base red, and maybe it changes and it flows over into more of an orange red. Does that make sense? Let's hope it goes in some direction. Maybe it has more blue in it in one spot. And then as it travels and it moves to another spot, it becomes a red that has more yellow in it than it does over there where it was blue. So what do I do about that as the artist? How do I think about that when I'm planning? Here's something that I think we should do. Look at the largest area of that particular hue with the subject and think to yourself, okay, what is the base color? Well, we determined it's red. Now, we know this red changes though, but I'm going to grab my color wheel if I need to grab the color wheel and I'm going to say, okay, what is this color? I'm going to put it up against my reference. And then I'm going to say, aha, it is red. Okay. I thought maybe it might be an orangish color, but it leans more towards red. All right. So I decided on the base hue. That's my base color. Now I'm going to determine is, is this actually in one area getting more warm or more cool? Remember, as color pencil artists, we're not using a palette to mix up our colors before we apply it to our project. We are applying the color and mixing the colors right there on our project, right? So I want to do all of my testing ahead of time, not on my project, but on a separate sheet of paper. And I want to then decide, okay, I've got my red. This is the red I'm going to use. This is my base color. Okay, this is the color I, I can look at and say that's what it is. And then I'm going to put down a shading of that color. And then I'm going to say, okay, what would happen if? I'm going to ask that question. What would happen if? And what would happen if I'm looking over here at this portion of that red? If I added blue to this red, what would happen? And then I take my blue pencil. The closest one I think might match. And then I apply that to that test swatch is what I like to call it. It's an area, just a little block of area that I have created with my red pencil. And then I'm going to apply another layer of blue on one part of that red area. And then I'm going to judge it. I'm going to look at it and determine if I like it or not. And then I'm going to look at the other side. And I'm going to say, okay, what happens if I add a yellow? Okay. Now, in your case, it might be something different. Maybe it's a, a purple or maybe it's a, a green or something. But for this thought experiment that we're doing right now, okay, I'm going to use blue and yellow. All right. So play along here. <laughs> okay. So there are three questions that I want to ask myself when I'm trying to determine colors or when I am trying to do a color match on a project. Okay, let's walk through those. Number one, is it too dark or too light? Is my color too dark or too light? Okay, number two, is it too cool or is it too warm? Number three, is it too neutral or is it too saturated? 
These are questions I'm asking myself about the color swatch that I just created. I'm looking at it, I'm comparing it to my reference, and I'm asking those three questions. I'm saying, is it too dark or too light? Is it too cool or too warm? Number three, is it too neutral or is it too saturated? If I need to write the answers down, one, two, three, and if you need to do that, I would suggest that you go ahead and do that. And then you kind of go back to the drawing board, grab that red pencil, make another swatch of that red pencil on the paper, and then you will lean it in a different direction. And so the blue that I used, I may need to use a different blue, maybe a darker blue, maybe a lighter blue, maybe, a, and then number two, maybe a, a, a blue that is a little more cool, or perhaps one that is a little more warm. And then the third thing to be concerned with, with yes, this particular red with a blue influence on it, is that blue influence for this red then creating creating a red that is too neutral or too saturated. Now, if this sounds complicated and overwhelming because it's something way too visual, then I apologize for that. And it's something that uh, makes a lot of sense, though, in my courses when I walk through this and I show you and demonstrate to you what we're actually doing with a reference photo. Okay, this is what we do. It does make a lot of sense when you see it in practical use. So let me give you some quick tips before we go about how you can incorporate this kind of thing. So what if it's still confusing? What if you put this down on paper, you put that red down, you put the blue down, you put the um, yellow down, okay? And what if it still is a little overwhelming and you're still not quite sure? And when you go through one, two, and three, and you think about whether it's too dark or light, cool or warm or neutral or saturated, and you're still not sure, what then? What do you do? Here's one thing that I like to do whenever I still can't tell. I just look at it and I'm like, what is going on? Cannot figure this out. Go into Photoshop or some other editor. Open up your reference photo. Use the eyedropper. And then grab inside the color picker what that color is. You'll look at it inside there. And it is going to show you where on that color continuum that little rainbow to just to the right of where the color picker is, it's going to show you how much light and dark are the chroma of this particular color. And it's going to show you exactly what color you're looking at. So you may look at it and find, oh, it's actually a very bright orange color. And it's not really a red at all, or it has so much of a warm influence that I could nearly just qualify this as a, a very, very warm, warm red. And that seems to help quite a bit. It helps me quite a bit when I'm trying to determine what is going on with this color. I like to think of colors as having some movement. The color doesn't stay the same. It ebbs and it flows. It changes. It goes from a dark to a light. It goes from a warm to a cool Often it does this. And so I want to look at it and think of it in those terms. It's sometimes very saturated, sometimes not so much. 
And so sometimes a color picker along with the color wheel uh, looking at this in Photoshop can help. Now, if I'm talking about skin tone, then I know every time I look at a skin tone, there are very, very few exceptions. But nearly every time I'm looking at a skin tone, that color picker is going to tell me, yes, that skin is orange. Nearly every time. The wrong thing to do, the wrong conclusion to make would be to say, aha, that's orange. That means that I need to use orange for my skin tone. No, no, don't do it. Don't do it. Resist that urge. <laughs> You're going to not be happy with that. I'm telling you. So instead, use some reds and some yellows to create the skin tone. Okay. Now, most often, and uh, so I'm using those terms very loosely, reds and yellows. Okay. Because we're using varying degrees and temperatures of those hues whenever we're talking about reds and yellows for a skin tone. But if you look at the color picker, it's, it's a, sort of a dummy's guide, okay? This is, this is what I use it for when I can't figure it out. Then I'm like, okay, I just got to I gotta get the eyedropper out. I got to get the color picker in front of me. What is this? And then it gives me a clue as to what to do. So when I go to my colored pencils, though, I'm going to say, this is an orange. Okay, what, what do I want to do then to create this particular secondary color, right? It's not a primary. So I'm going to take red and yellow and mix that together. Okay, I hope that's simple enough. So let me talk about one last thing I like to do. And this is another little tip, a little trick that I've been using for years that really has helped a lot. That is to isolate a color, okay? There's many different ways. So we're going to talk about the mechanics of it, the practical uh, way to do this. But there's many different ways that you could do this. Uh, one way I used to do a lot is I would just take um, a printer paper. I would take a hole punch, punch a hole in that white paper, stick it over there on my reference that I printed out, and I would look at only that color, right? I would isolate that color because I blocked out everything else. And it forces me then, it forces my mind to think about what is that color that I'm looking at right now. And then I can even take my pencils, my colored pencils, and start testing around that little tiny hole that I created to see how close I'm getting to matching that color, okay? Same, same thing is true if I go over to Photoshop or something else and I just grab the paintbrush and I use the eyedropper to grab the color in that particular spot. I go over to, I create a, another blank document, create a new document or a new uh, canvas, I guess it is in uh, Photoshop. And then I use a paintbrush and I paint a little color swatch over there. And it tells me, it shows me very clearly, surrounded by white, what that color is. It isolates it for me. So do some color isolation to determine what these colors are. And then you go through the three again. And you ask yourself those questions again, those three questions. Is it too dark, too light, too cool, too warm, neutral, or saturated, right? You may say, nah, John, that's six. Well, group them together. 
That's what I do. Is it too dark or too light is your first question. What is the value of this hue, right? Is it too dark or too light? Number two, is it too cool or too warm? That's the temperature, right? Number three, is it neutral, too neutral, or is it too saturated? Okay. So I, you notice I keep coming back to that because those are the things that matter with each particular hue. Okay. That's all I want to say on this particular topic today, and I hope that that was helpful. I hope you could go through that mental exercise with me, and uh, it's something that, you know, I, I teach a lot inside my courses. I also have a uh, presentation, a pre-recorded presentation that I did on this particular uh, topic, this, this particular subject, and so I'm, I'll put a link to that in the show notes if you want to check that out. And I appreciate you listening from week to week. This is a weekly show. comes out every Monday. So I would appreciate if you're enjoying the show to consider giving a rating and or a review over on Apple Podcasts. That would mean a lot to me. Tell someone else about the show. I would appreciate that as well. Reach out by email, podcast at sharpenedartist.com. I'll talk to you next week. Until then, take care and stay sharp. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. All the show notes can be found at www.sharpenedartist.com.